0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Euro Trip. To start today, I want to remind you of this inspirational message from last week's podcast from our Lord and Saviour, Neve Kavanagh.
1: When you're chasing what might work, you're forgetting about who you are.
2: Words to live by, if only in the world
0: of the Eurovision Song Contest, at least. Should we get on with the podcast? Let's do it. It's time for the Euro Trip. As you know, Lasana always said, take it away. Hi. Bye. We are, are Davi Okaklamaknev, and, and you're David. listening to Eurotream.
3: I don't close any doors. I love Eurovision, I love Elidistvalen, and it will always be a part of me. That night, I found myself live on Russian state television for, for Russia's Song for Europe.
0: I said to Joe, send BBC Teenage Life. Maybe two weeks later, I was at a press conference, and I was on making your mind up.
3: Everyone was like,
2: Eldar, calm, celebrate with us the end of filming they put honey on my face and I needed to be
1: you know sexy with this honey on my face.
2: Hi
0: there my name is Martin Österdahl I am the executive supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. You are listening to Eurotrip.
2: Hello and welcome to the Eurotrip the world's favorite Eurovision podcast with me James, me Rob and joining us this week the one and
0: only Anna Bergendahl. You've already done a far better job than I did last week of actually telling the listeners who the big guest is this week, because I think it took a good 30 seconds before I revealed who was joining us on last week's episode. I am delighted to have Anna Bergendahl on the podcast because it is always fab to talk to somebody from Scandinavia because they just get Eurovision differently to the rest of us, don't they?
2: Yeah, they certainly do. We had Neve Kavanagh with us last week, a winner of the contest, of course. Anna is a winner in many people's eyes, of course she represented Sweden back in 2010 and has been to Melfest on a few occasions since then as well, twice as a singer and once more as a songwriter which we'll talk a lot about a little bit later on and we'll also chat about what it was like for her to not qualify to the grand final when she went to Eurovision in 2010 and here she is recalling the moments as she was waiting for the results to filter through
1: sitting there waiting for the results and i remember they had only it was only one song left for them to um uh, to announce and uh i really thought it was gonna be me my stomach just fell through the floor and i was i was devastated
0: safe to say anna is a fan favorite i don't think we've spoken to anyone on this podcast recently who can live up to that billing quite as much as Anna Bergendahl, the fans love her and it's brilliant to have her on the podcast. Also this week, a man with an incredible name, it's DJ Duzpois, he's back from German news site ESC Compact. We'll be talking to him all about Germany's extremely complicated selection for Eurovision 2022. So we've got all that and more to come, you're listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Euro Trip. Here we are then, another week of one of Costa Rica's favourite music podcasts. James, I bring you news this week that this podcast made it into the Costa Rican music podcast charts last week. Did it actually? I'm not making... It's not the sort of thing you make up, is it? It's quite a niche, quite a niche lie. That's pretty remarkable. So, hello... Uh, or hola, what do what they speak in Costa Rica? Is it Spanish? I think it is. It must be Spanish. What's the capital of Costa Rica? Hold on, let me get that up. Uh, the, the people of San Jose may be listening as we speak. Uh, Costa Rican listeners, it's lovely to, to have you with us, as it is lovely to have everybody else. You don't have to be from Costa Rica, you don't have to be from somewhere quite as exotic. You know, if you're listening in, no offense intended. Dundee. We'd still love to have you. Oh, wow. If we get an influx of tweets
2: now over the next seven days of people going, I'm from Dundee, and I'm changing my
0: Eurovision podcast to Aussie Vision now, then it's all on you, Rob. It's all on you. Well, listen, if you're thinking of doing that, I'll tell you this. Aussie Vision, they don't even know where Dundee is. They don't (laughs) care about you. They're all about Sydney and Brisbane and all of the other exciting places where, you know, people just wear trunks all the time. They don't care about Dundee. Not like us here on the podcast. Like I just said, we don't care where you come from. In fact, if you're from Dundee and you're listening to this, make yourself known. At Eurotrip Podcast, Twitter, Instagram. Send me an email of the picture of your house. That's a bit weird. Hello at com. Oh, gosh, let's get this back on track. Or oh, I
2: could do a nice Rob Lilly segue here from you talking about the Twitter username and email address to talking about all the tweets we've had over the last seven days. You like what I've done there? Not really, but carry on anyway. Oh well, never mind. We've already mentioned Neve Kavanagh, winner of Eurovision 1993, joined us on the podcast last week. And it's safe to say we had an influx of messages across Twitter and Instagram and the emails from you guys listening at home. It seems that everybody agreed with what Neve had to say, uh, particularly about the way Ireland selects their artist at the contest. Uh, Fergus got in touch and uh, simply said, Preach! as they say. I think you said that as well, Rob. You said
0: preach, didn't you? I think that was the only fair reaction to what Neve said. I think she hit the nail on the head, which is why we got such an incredible reaction, because like you said, everybody agrees with everything that she said. Absolutely. Uh, Sophie got in touch. Uh, She's at
2: Rock Bottom ESC on Twitter saying, wow, she absolutely hits the nail on the head here. Now to get the BBC to understand this. Clearly a British Eurovision fan there. And if you scroll back in your podcast feed, you can listen to our episode where we chat to Ben Mawson, the guy who's now uh, heading up the BBC's effort at Eurovision 2022. Maybe. There are brighter things on the horizon. And also, AJ, thanks for getting in touch on Twitter as well, saying, definitely worth listening to this. Neve has a really good attitude towards
0: the contest and has some great words of wisdom as well. Honestly, that quote that we played at the start of the podcast, I want it on a T-shirt. It'd be good, wouldn't it? Well, I'll tell you what. You
2: are going to get one of those T-shirts for Christmas from me, and you can get me the, the
0: Fizz calendar for 2022. Perfect. Well, I'm pleased that we've both sorted out our Christmas gifts in November. That's already far more prepared than I normally am. Do you reckon we can have each of them in our possession? Or maybe we can swap gifts, rather, uh, when we're in Paris the weekend before? Yeah, that's a very good idea. A nice Christmassy
2: gift-swapping get-together in the City of Lights. It is the City of Lights, isn't it? That is that one. Is that what they call it? I've never heard Paris referred to as the City of Lights. Pretty sure it is,
0: isn't it? Oh, I'm doubting myself now that you don't believe me, but I'm going to stick with it. Okay. Let us know at your trip podcast on Twitter (laughs) and Instagram. Uh, Loads of you got in touch about other stuff we did in the podcast last week as well. Uh, A a welcome return, some would say, for calendar watch. James mentioned the Fizz calendar there. This all comes back to, and I do feel like I do need to qualify this every week, comes back to when we asked ages ago now, which of the class of Eurovision 2021 you'd love to see in calendar form. Uh, Stuart tweeted us saying, more calendar watch and Neve Kavanagh. I'm buzzing for this week's podcast. Well, Stuart, I hope you enjoyed it. I really do. Uh, Jamie said, I've been waiting for this episode all week, but it was worth it. Neve Kavanagh was a joy to listen to. And it's always nice hearing from former winners, especially when they're Irish. Well, we'll do our best to bring you more Irish winners on the podcast, of course. And then Jamie, an apology for you from me. Uh, Jamie seemed to take issue with my comment that Maybe ask your mum and dad about the commitments and what that film was. It was a film that Neve Kavanagh was in. She mentioned in the interview, Jamie then said, it was the first film I went to see on a date. Brackets, I typed this tweet with my aged crumbling fingers. (laughs) Jamie, all I'm going to say is I'm sorry. Oh, dear. I, I didn't get on board with any of that. That was all
2: you last week, Rob, about asking mother and father. I'm not getting involved in this whatsoever. This is on you.
0: So far, all we've got from this week's podcast is ageist Rob over here who hates Dundee. <laughs> That's, that was never my intention. Pop
2: that on the top line of your CV. Anyway, if you've got anything else to get in touch about this week's episode or any other episodes of the Eurotrip that you've been listening to, then don't forget to get in touch. We've said it enough times already, but I'll say it again at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram and hello at Eurotrippodcast.com on the email.
0: It is time for the very latest news from the world of the Eurovision Song Contest and of course James we are hurtling towards the Junior Eurovision Song Contest in Paris next month and delighted to say that we have secured our tickets. Sorry, yes, we have. I don't know where I went there. I was in a bit of a daydream. Oh, you're clearly, you're clearly very excited <laughs> about it.
2: Uh, what I was actually doing was uh, looking up how many days it is, because we, uh, you know we love a bit of a countdown here on the podcast. Uh, put you out your misery very quickly. 39 days
0: until the big day on December the 19th. Not long, not long. Still need to book that transport, don't we? And indeed, the accommodation, which we appear to have been deliberating over on Facebook <laughs> Messenger for approximately six months, it feels like at this stage. Honestly, I don't care at this point. Just book anything. Yeah, we've got we've got a ticket to the
2: show, but nowhere to stay and no way of getting there or returning home. So
0: uh, <laughs> good luck to us for 39 days' time. It bodes incredibly well for the podcast, though, because if we bring you any of that, on any of our forthcoming episodes, well, it'll be, uh, it'll be a story to tell, I'm sure. Whether or not we get to Paris in the first instance, let alone what happens when we're there. It certainly will be a story to
2: tell. Now, speaking of stories to tell, Rob, shall we do the news? Deary me. <laughs> I'll take that as a yes. Uh, let's fill you in on everything, or at least most of the things that have been happening in the world of the Eurovision Song Contest over the last seven days since we last joined you. We'll start, naturally, with the Junior Eurovision Song Contest. Bulgaria have officially revealed the duo that will represent their country at the contest in Paris next month. Denny and Marty are graduates from one of the best musical schools in the country and they'll be singing Voice of Love. Uh, It was also revealed that North Macedonia's Eurovision 2020 and 2021, (laughs) that's difficult for me to say, uh, Act Vassil has also been chosen as part of the team to work on their entry. Uh, Also in the world of junior Eurovision, Kazakhstan has selected their artist over the weekend, Beckner and Alaner will sing World of Fairy Tales after, get this, both of them being declared joint winners of the selection show. Very interesting. It's also been revealed that Albania's junior entry this year will be staged by Luca Tomasini. Now, he was responsible for San Marino staging at the contest, uh, the adult contest, rather, in Rotterdam earlier this year. Speaking of the adult contest, in Eurovision News itself, uh, Portugal has unveiled 20 composers who will be competing at the forthcoming edition of Festival de Canção. The broadcast has received over 600 entries, and a total of 20 songs will be competing in the competition next spring. Uh, Over in Albania, the broadcaster there has confirmed the dates for the forthcoming edition of Festivali Kengis. The 60th edition of that show will begin on the 27th of December, a little bit later than usual, with the final of the show taking place on the 29th of the same month. And finally, let me tell you about the German selection. Uh, we finally have news that they're returning to a national final format for Turin. Uh, it has a German name. Should have probably read this beforehand. I'm going to go for Lead for Turin. Uh, will
0: take place in March of 2022. A total of five songs will be selected to compete in the show. Every listening at home, could you tell that I wrote the news for James this week and he was reading my writing for the very first time. Do you think that came across or do you think you carried it off? I don't think I carried that off in the slightest. <laughs> well, thank you for turning up anyway, that's the main thing.
2: Yeah, appreciate your help. Thanks for supporting me through a very busy period in my life. Really
0: appreciate it. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) Uh, You mentioned Germany's Eurovision selection for Turin 2022. You mentioned they were returning to a national final format. That is technically true. But it's a lot more complicated than that. Now, we wanted to get the inside line on what Germany are doing for next year. So there is only one man we can go to for this. It is the brilliantly named DJ Duzpois. I should say his name's Lars, actually. So I will refer to him as Lars in the interview because I didn't want to make a fool of myself and keep referring to himself as DJ Duzpois or DJ Douz. I don't know what you refer to him as during the interview. What would you call him? Would you call him DJ Duze or DJ Duzpois? I don't know, I was going off track there, thinking to myself, what would you be called
2: if you were Eurovision DJ? I presume you'd probably just be called DJ (laughs) Nubois.
0: How (laughs) very rude. Anyway, Germany, I think is where we're going with this. Basically, i got DJ Nubois on from ESC Compact, and the first question was simply this. Can you please try and explain what appears to be an incredibly complicated way in which Germany will be selecting their entry for Turin?
3: If I only knew. So, well, the good thing is, well, kind of a good thing. Uh, after a long time, um, the German head of entertainment for the first television from public service, uh, t- um, television IRD, he changed his job. So he was always in charge for kind of, I don't know, 15, 20 years for the Eurovision. So he left his job and then there was like kind of a vacuum and no one no one really knew who would take over Eurovision? Well, we would have our new head of delegation, Alex Wolfslast, and she still will continue doing it, but it was completely unclear what was happening with the German pre-selection or the process of it. And it seems like they have really like began from scratch all over. The good thing is um, German television took in as many radio stations as possible, all the public service radio stations that we are having. Those radio stations will really try to promote the Eurovision Song Contest. They will also have one eurition day on the day of the pre-selection so we didn't have that before so there will be a push that will really bring attention to the content or to, to the contest um what we know so far is that um representatives from those radio stations they they have like pop music radio stations so they know the artists they know some songs they will form a jury and they have now asked um artists to send in their songs and then to evaluate them to check them at the end they are expecting to have 25 good songs that they would like to like to see live on stage so there will be kind of a pre-selection once more for only the jury and then there will be five songs which then will make it to the national tv show the national tv show is though different it will not be on the first national television but it will be on the so-called third programs so we have like those regional stations they have like their own television program like for Bavaria for the west or for me here in the north for instance and um, those third programs will then combined uh, broadcast the show somewhere in the beginning of March this is what is kind of the idea they want also that there are they will change the process of voting there will be like the show there will be a radio listeners being involved there will be an online voting and there should be also a televoting we've been discussing this we don't really think that this is really completely thought through this all seems a little bit uh, un- unfinished yet so the whole process There's like an idea, and there are many people who agreed to join in and to help out and to make this a national task again. So this is how they call it, nationale Aufgabe. The last time that we had this was 2010, when we got Lena at the end. So there might be something good coming out, but no one really knows. Well, it sounds,
0: Lars, like it's potentially a little bit confusing, a little bit complicated, but it does sound like at least the whole of Germany get their say so do you think that's going to make a difference in terms of people really getting behind the German entry this year
3: well this is definitely the intention and I think that we have a good chance to make this work so apparently uh, over the last three years now uh, with internal selections no one really knew, ah, so what would be the German song? And they would not even know it on the day of the event uh, itself. So that's why it's really good to bring in all those radio stations and to make the people aware of it, maybe even play the songs. There we have a good chance to really exciting or to, to yeah to make the people exciting about it, like being aware of uh, Eurovision again, maybe we are happy, like in those years, 2006, when we had Texas Lightning, or then, of course, Lena, And so th- there were some really good years, you know, and when, when people found their, their perfect song and that it was also played on the radio, maybe not before the German pre-selection, but afterwards, so, and then people got enthusiastic about it. This is something what everyone obviously is intended to, to do, and to, which is as an aim. Uh, I hope that they are not like mixing things up. One part is bringing Germany behind the song. The other one is to have a good performance and a good placement. And they are now committed to do this like for at least two or three years. What, I don't know exactly what they are uh, going to do, but I hope that they will really try to stick to it, even if we should, for yet another time, finish pretty much in the bottom. But if this is like a good song and, and artists and, and the people are enthusiastic, this would be really nice. Do
0: you think the aim will be to find a more contemporary song, a song that will sound more like something you would hear, for example, on the radio? You said radio stations are involved. The thing with Jendrik, I guess, is that that's not the sort of song that you would hear all the time on
3: German radio. Exactly. Um, well, the song of Jendrik definitely was not uh, hot on the radios. It was much better, really, for violent Thing, uh, uh, thing the, the two, th- two years before. But uh, yes, I think or I'm afraid it will be pretty much contemporary radio pop.
0: Where are Germany at with with Eurovision? Of course, Germany similar to the United Kingdom in terms of the fact that more often than not, it's the bottom of the leaderboard. Of course, you had 2018 was the anomaly for Germany, of course, when you were towards the top. But what do the German public think about Germany and Eurovision? Is the support there or are they sceptical about the contest?
3: But the good thing about Germany is, in that matter, that Germans, most of them are not nationalists. So they are not watching the Eurovision for seeing Germany win, which might be different in smaller countries, which tend to be more successful also. Maybe Germans got also kind of used to the situation. Well, we are not being in the top every once in a while, or pretty much (laughs) really down low. Um, But they still love the competition and they enjoy this night so the ratings for the show are still good but of course, it would give, give another push and help us like getting a new generation excited about the Eurovision Song Contest with a big hit if, if the German song was a big hit in Germany and also do well on the Eurovision because you cannot have it like all eight years that you have a like top five song and uh, every like yeah, the next three years you would be in the top uh, or bottom five. So then it's uh, really not such a good thing on the, over, in the long run. Um, So we should do better. So last year, I was really happy when Alex Wolfslas, the head of delegation said like, oh, now this year we are really putting all effort into the stage performance. Well, we got a stage performance, but it was definitely not the best and it was not what what would help on the Eurovision stage. So I hope that they are learning from that or that they are taking in someone who has an experience. And also those are my worries now when radio people are choosing those songs internally until we see them on stage, those last five, they might not have in mind what Eurovision really is about. So I'm hoping and I'm wishing and I'm just like saying to the uh, television and radio stations here, please have in mind that there are people out there who know what Eurovision really needs and how you can be successful there Uh, when when it comes to picking a song and also how to do a real stage performance, which is more than just being authentic and uh, an artist who is like really himself. That's not what Eurovision is about.
0: Last question for me. Lars, you've got free choice. You can choose whatever type of song you want. What genre would you like to see representing Germany in Turin? Oh, gee,
3: oh, that's, that's, that's so mean. Well, of course, I would like to see Germany being represented by a, a good pop song that would work internationally and become a major hit, like in many of those countries where your vision is big. In fact, I am also would like to see a German language song once again on the stage. So I would be really happy if we could prove also that the German language still works uh, internationally. And we've seen this this year in Rotterdam. Uh, you don't always have to understand the lyrics. It's not about that. So you can do well in your native language. And uh, it could be Schlager, it could be hip hop, or it could be just like real popular pop song. Why not? And why not in German?
0: Lars, it's been brilliant to talk to you as ever. Thank you so much for for joining us. And I'm sure we'll catch up between now and Turin.
3: Thank you very much for having me and uh, good luck.
1: This is the
3: Eurotrip.
0: This is indeed the Eurotrip podcast. Great to have you with us. And thank you to Lars, or as we shall forever call him, DJ Duzpois on the podcast for chatting all things Germany. Hopefully, after hearing from uh,
2: the DJ himself, we're now up to speed on what the process is for Germany. Because it was a little bit complicated, wasn't
0: it? Honestly, none the wiser. No idea. Which isn't Lars's fault. The whole thing's just very complicated. Even more complicated than the UK selection in 2019.
2: And we all know how confusing that was. It's always a difficult one to explain
0: it is it certainly is it's great to have you with us uh, if you want to leave us a review by the way that would be lovely because it is the best way that other Eurovision fans can find us so if you are listening on the type of podcast app that allows you to leave a review we would be ever so grateful if you could pop a five star on there and leave us a little comment that would be very very lovely and maybe after you've done that you might be thinking about Giving your votes for the ESC 250. I don't know whether you saw, James, that all kicked off this week. People putting their votes in. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter saying who they're going to be voting for this year. Which got me thinking, who would you give your 12 points to in the ESC 250, but with one specific set of criteria in that they could only be former guests on this podcast? Oh, that's a good one. Uh as soon as you've said that, the first name that comes to mind is Diedrich Solitangen. Very good. Now I was a big fan of Norway's entry in, in 2010. The voting public less so, let's be honest. <laughs> but I was a big fan. Uh, next week, I reckon, I'll give you a chance, because I've just sprung this on you. So next week, do you wanna do you wanna tell us who you're You're giving your points to, your votes?
2: Yeah, there's a lot of names to scroll through. I'll have a scroll through the podcast feed, and I'll come back with my favourite, because there's a lot of names to choose from. But hopefully you've you've thought about this yourself as well, actually,
0: for this week. Well, spoiler, I'd be surprised if you don't pick Rambo Amadeus next week. (laughs) (laughs) I've been having a scroll. You're right. And it's touch and go. We've had such good people on the podcast. I mean, obviously, Daz. Daz has got to be up there. Oh, Uh, Kano, of course, on the podcast previously. But I'm going to give my ESC 250 fifty Euro Trip 12 points to this song. Hey,
3: it's me. Look, I know it might sound strange, but suddenly I'm not the same used to be.
2: It's like I stepped out of space and time and come alive. It's taking over. I thought you heard it
0: there, James, my 12 points for the Eurotrip ESC 250. Iveta Makuchian.
2: Oh, wow, gosh, yes. We've spoken to so many names, I've totally forgotten we've actually spoken to her
0: on the podcast.
2: Oh, yeah, what's that, five years ago now she was at the contest.
0: <laughs> I thought you meant five years ago that you spoke to her on the podcast. I've like, not been getting that long. <laughs> Um, it, that means as well that we've basically come full circle, because the whole reason you were talking to Iveta, wasn't it, at the time, was that she was dispelling rumours that she was taking part in Germany's Eurovision selection last year. How things happen so serendipitously. That's not <laughs> quite the right word, was it?
2: serendipit seren... serendipitous.
0: Serendipitously.
2: Serendipitously, that's the one. Yeah, gosh, yeah, that was a year ago we spoke to her on the podcast. Wow, how time flies.
0: So yeah, of all the artists that we've had on this podcast, if I was to give any of those my 12 points for this year's ESC 250, it would probably be Iveta. Uh, You, I suppose we'll find out next week.
2: This is the Eurotrip.
0: When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media.
2: We're at Eurotrip Podcast.
1: Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest.
2: That's right, you are listening to the Eurotrip, the world's favourite Eurovision podcast with both me and DJ Nilpois. It is now time, of course, to bring on our big guest for the week, the one and only Anna
0: Nice, You took the opportunity to call me DJ Nilpois there while my mic was muted, almost as if you knew you could get away with it. That was rude. You've got to take the opportunities when they come to you, Rob. You've got to take them when you can. Indeed. Anyway, you are right, Anna Bergendahl joins us on the podcast this week. Anna, of course, who represented Sweden at Eurovision 2010 when the contest was in Oslo. Honestly, this whole podcast is as if we planned it. Of course, last week's guest, Neve Kavanagh, also a contestant at Eurovision 2010. God, Honestly, it's like we're planning this stuff. Some of it we plan, that not so much,
2: but it's... Uh... Nice and serendipitous... Oh, dip. I'm not going to do that way. Well, again. not this again.
0: <laughs> Either way, if you at home listening, or doing the ironing like James's grandma or whatever you're doing while you listen to this, if you're a big fan of the 2010 contest, the last couple of weeks must have been incredibly enjoyable for you. And also, I have it on good authority
2: that the guest next week will be a very good treat for you as well if you're a big fan of 2010.
0: Oh my God, we've done it again, haven't <laughs> <Don't> we? <laughs> Hilarious. Well... Another of the class of 2010, hopefully, joining us next week. (laughs) (laughs) So stay tuned for that next week. But let's focus on this week.
2: Anna Bergendahl, of course. Rob's mentioned it. She represented Sweden at that contest in Oslo in 2010 and has been back to Melfest uh, both in 2019, in 2020, and as a songwriter in 2021. So we'll be chatting all about those occasions for her. But I thought we'd be best off to start by finding out where it all began for Anna well 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 before Melfest and Eurovision in 2010.
1: Well uh, it began with Swedish Idol for me. Uh, I was 16 and you know you get to meet a pre-jury before you get to see the actual jury and before you get to be in the actual tv show and um I, I went in to sing for this pre jury uh, and they said that I was, I was okay. And I was, well, I was, they said that I was good, uh, but they wouldn't let me through to the real jury. Um, so I was pretty, pretty sad about that. And I, and I, I began thinking, you know, maybe, maybe I do not have what it takes to become an artist and a, and a songwriter, but I I thought that um I came to the conclusion that I was going to give it one more shot. So actually the same year I, um, I tried out again for Idol. And, and then I got to meet the real jury and I, I changed songs and I, I brought my guitar with me and I did a Bonnie Raitt cover um, of Have a Heart. And, uh, and yeah, then I passed.
2: Tell us about what it was like afterwards then, because you've uh, finished, was it in fifth place in the end, you finished in Idol? Yes. So fifth place, you come out of that, and I presume, are you going back to school at this point?
1: Yes, I am.
2: So you go back to school, and we sort of fast forward to 2010, or at least back end of 2009, and tell us exactly how you get involved in Melody Festival, and because that must be so exciting for anybody to get that news, but for somebody who's still in school, I mean, that's just crazy, right?
1: It was really crazy. And, you know, during Idol, you're kind of connected to this record label and they get a year to decide whether they want to work with you or not. And in my case, that year passed and I was back in school and I was sitting um, at home writing some essay for school um, when the phone rang at home and I picked it up and he said, hi, this is Bobby Jungriem. Do you know who I am? And I was like, I'm sorry, I don't, and I didn't know, uh, but I do know now that he's one of the biggest songwriters ever for Malicious One, and I think he's won five times now. Uh, and he said that he had a song for me that he wanted me to record a demo on. So I went up to Stockholm. I lived uh, an hour outside Stockholm uh, for the first time by myself, and I and I took the subway, and um, I just went the com- completely wrong way, and I was so late, uh, but we ended up uh, recording the song. and. And yeah, that's basically it. They liked it. And we sent it in to Festivalen. And I remember actually sitting in the school cafeteria with my friends when I knew that Kriste Björkman was going to call me and say whether I had made it, made it to Festivalen or not. And he said, Anna, you're in. And I just remember me and my friends, we ran out into the schoolyard. We just landed on, on each other in some kind of warm pit. And, and yeah, we just screamed. <laughs>
2: What was it like when Bobby Lundgren called you then? Because you don't know who he is. Did you take much persuasion? Did you have to say to your parents, oh, this, this man called Bobby's calling me? And they're like, it's Bobby Lundgren."
1: <laughs> yeah, I bet, I bet they looked him up uh, because they, they allowed me to, to go, go see him on my own. Um so um yeah, it was just really, really weird because I didn't know that much at all about Meldiffeswallen. Uh I was really, I was really into Idol growing up, but I hadn't really watched uh Wallen a lot. So it was just this whole new world for me. And you know, to have these um amazing songwriters uh believe in you was um um, an incredible experience for me and um, and yeah we I think that we entered Melville festival and as sort of um, underdogs um no one really really believed that we would um, that we would make it
2: tell me about the first performance you did in that first show at Melfest because it's a huge stage it's a huge audience and then as you say you were an underdog so what a surprise i guess that you went direct to the final as well
1: Yes, yes. I screamed so loud. I was sitting next to my um, one of the backup vocal guys, and I screamed so loud in his ear. Uh, I'm afraid that he, his uh, hearing was maybe a little damaged. I'm so sorry for that, but I couldn't I contain myself. And, and I think coming into the competition as an underdog was kind of uh, favorable to me because I didn't really feel that great a pressure. Um I just went in and I did my thing and I didn't I didn't believe that we were going to make it through to the final. No one believed it. So so it was it was I think it was good that I that I was an underdog at that
2: point. I think it's a huge surprise all around that your song This Is Your Life won Melfest that year because we know some of the big names who were in the competition that year. You know, the likes of Eric Sada, of course is probably the biggest one that springs to mind but also because yours was sort of like a bit of a ballad and Sweden doesn't usually vote for a ballad, especially in the final, does it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, I think that it's like that every, every five or 10 years or something, some, some underdog, someone just, someone who isn't really that, that big of an artist yet just enters the competition and somehow just, wins the whole thing um i don't know why it's usually a young a young artist um that just i guess um I, just touches people
2: um yeah <laughs> What was the party like that night when you won Fest in 2010?
1: <laughs> well, um, I had just turned 18. And I remember that my management was really, they thought it was really important that I didn't drink too much or actually that they, they didn't want me to drink at all. So, and uh, I, think that, I think that people had to like buy me alcohol because I wasn't allowed or something. <laughs> and yeah, I guess I had a few drinks, but then I was just really really tired and exhausted you know all these weeks leading up to this point and all these interviews rehearsal rehearsals and everything your brain is so drained with you know all these good hormones they're just out of good hormones I was really really tired and um, yeah I think I just went up to my hotel room with my with my best friends and we just chatted and then I guess we passed out
2: (laughs) but then that all those weeks of preparation and stress and so much work it doesn't end for you because then you've got to prepare to head across to to Oslo what were those weeks like in the run-up is that pressure still on you are you getting to relax a little bit what's it like for you in those weeks
1: it was the last year in school, so I had a lot of schoolwork to do. That was it. I went back to my hometown, and I just finished all the courses ahead of ahead of time because I had to be in Oslo basically May. So um, yeah, I guess I finished all the schoolwork, and uh, there there were some rehearsals. We didn't really want to change a whole lot in the in the number. So yeah, what I remember is just studying. Yeah.
2: Let's take it to Oslo then, because what an experience that must have been. We'll chat about the result, of course, in a second. But just as an 18-year-old at the Eurovision Song Contest, you must have some incredible memories of that experience.
1: Yeah, it was it was beyond incredible. I just felt like a rock star those those weeks. Um, and I wasn't really prepared for the um, great, great love that you get from the Eurovision fans, they are the most dedicated fans in the world. And whenever I get to meet a Eurovision fan, I just feel like the likes of, you know, Lady Gaga, Madonna. They they make me feel that way. They really do. So that was the first experience of that. You know, just feeling like this this rock star. Um, And, you know, um, all these fancy clothes and I had a makeup artist and the parties and meeting people from all over Europe. Um, It was, I, I look back at those weeks with a lot of warmth and just a lot of uh, gratitude that I that I had that experience and I'm so thankful that those weeks were really really good for me because it didn't really end that well.
2: Shall we touch on the result it's been it's been a good 10 years or so since it happened so I imagine you've managed to at least recover what's that like because I think even today there's this huge expectation isn't there on Sweden especially that they're always going to send this perfect song it's always going to win or be in the top five or something what was it like to sort of get the result you got in the end
1: because Sweden had never before not made it to the to the final so based on that I thought that we were going to make it and I I thought that we had done what we were supposed to do what people had voted for me to do in Eurovision so sitting there waiting for the results and I remember they had only it was only one Song left for them to um, uh, to announce, and uh, I really thought it was going to be me. I really did, uh, and then it wasn't, and my stomach just fell through the floor, and I was I was devastated. I really was, and and I had based my my assumption on making it to the final on Sweden always making it to the final, and I thought we had a good song. I thought I I did a good job. So 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 yeah. It wasn't it wasn't me being totally, you know, uh full of myself thinking that I was the big star. It wasn't like that. It was just that I thought that I think we're going to make it at least to the final, you know.
2: Do you have any not say regrets, but, you know, have you watched it back and thought, you know, that was pretty good. I'm pleased with that. Would you have changed anything? Because I watched it last night before, before we chatted and it looks flawless. You sound perfect. Is there anything that you would have necessarily changed?
1: Well, thank you so much. Um, I have never watched it. No (laughs) way. I, I rarely watch my performances, um, because, um, you know, it's really weird hearing your own voice and seeing your face. I mean, you can you can relate, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it is because it doesn't sound or look the way you thought it it sounded it sounded or looked. So, um it's really hard for me to watch myself and especially just watching. I think that I would just look for flaws and um, mistakes. Um so so I haven't watched it, but I'm I'm really proud of that young young woman with a lot of um um, courage! I'm really proud of her.
2: So you should be. We forget you were still just 18 years old at that point. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. remarkable. Who did you who did you chat with afterwards? Did you look for somebody to sort of bring you back down to earth? Was it was Krista Bjorkman there, for example, or did you have a wider team? Give us an example. Give us an idea about what the, the aftermath, the last, the next few hours were like to try and deal with.
1: Well, uh, first there was the press. So I had to see all the reporters and photograph photographers. And um, yeah, I remember sweeping myself into the Swedish flag. Someone gave me the flag and I just thought, that I'm going to do this with uh, pride. Um, so that was the first hard bit. And then I think that we uh, gathered at some big conference room. Uh, and it, it was just like a deflated balloon. Everyone was, I think, really disappointed. and. You know there's there's really not a whole lot to say <laughs> I mean um but but the the team that was closest to me obviously really supported me and they tried to comfort me and my parents were there and yeah but it's 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 really kind of unsalvageable I mean there's really nothing that anyone can say at that point to make me feel better you know
2: what happens next for you Anna because you've ticked Idle off the list, you've ticked Melody Festival off the list and you've ticked Eurovision off the list. What happens yeah. next?
1: <laughs> well, I went on a big tour in Sweden and that was also my savior, getting to go out with my band and see all the people that had voted for me in Melody Festival and really get an opportunity to thank them. Um, so it was it was a long tour in Sweden. Um, which which is such a such a nice memory for me, one of my I think maybe the best summer I've ever had and and shortly after that I went I started to work in in, um, in the United States with an American producer and um, we released a record and uh, yeah I was there for a few years and it was a, a lot of fun, a great experience for me. Um, yeah, and then I started studying. <laughs>
2: Now, this is the thing that I've been wanting to ask you about because there'll be people who are listening who follow you on Instagram and there's there's pictures of you in a studio or on stage, but then there's photos of you in a hospital. Now, yeah. tell us what's going on there.
1: <laughs> well, I've always had two dreams. I've always wanted to become a singer and a doctor. Um, and I spent, I think, let's see, uh, probably... 10, 10 years, you know, working on my career as an artist before I before I said, hmm, I'm going to try this doctor thing out a little bit. So I had to do uh, like a lot of exams uh, before even um, having the chance to get into medical school. Uh, but eventually I did. I think I was 25. Um, and uh, yeah, ever since I've, I've been studying and uh, I've taken a few breaks for Melodifestivalen and touring and you know but uh, come June I am a um, physician.
2: Well isn't that remarkable? What's it been like for you know when you whenever you've been practicing or, or whatever if you've seen patients or fellow colleagues and they've gone wait isn't that isn't that Anna Bergendahl?
1: <laughs> well it's I think sometimes it's a little hard for them when I, you know, I don't have any makeup. I'm in totally different clothes. It's kind of an an anonymous uh, clothing, you know, the scrubs, but then there's the thing with my name tag. So, so they usually just look at my face. They look down at the name, up to the face, name, (laughs) face, name. And then they're like, Hmm. So, but it's, it's, I, I mean, I love, I love seeing patients and I think it's it can be kind of an icebreaker in, in the in the doctor patient meeting that they they um, they know they they or they think they know or they actually do know who I am. Um, so it, I think and I hope that for a lot of them, it, it's kind of just an icebreaker and we can have a laugh and then we can just get to business.
2: Let's talk about 2019 and your return to Melody Festival. Where did this idea come from? Why did you choose 2019? Why was that the right time to come back?
1: So I had kind of said to myself that I was never coming back to the festival and because I had already won uh, there was no way that I could achieve something more you know um, the odds of winning again are kind of high so um, I I had said to myself that I was never going to do it again but then Bobby Jungrian called me. (laughs) And
2: this time you knew who he was.
1: (laughs) Yes, I knew who he was. And he said that he and, you know, G-Song, the songwriter, G-Song, and Erik Banholm, they had written a song for me. And I went into the studio and I had just come back from from the United States actually. And there was these huge fires in California in 2019 and i had sat um in in the countryside in, in in california and i had watched the sunset and somehow with all these fires uh there was just this orange red yellow horizon um on the sky and we were sitting there and i was writing the real, the, the lyrics and the thir- first thing that came to me was there's a fire on the horizon there's a fire Again. And then there was a this long, long, long journey for me to um, accepting competing in music again. It was really hard for me to to come to that conclusion that that it was the right thing to do. Um, and it, it turned out to be the right thing.
2: How did you come to that decision then? Because obviously it is a difficult one. We know what you did in 2010 you've won the ultimate prize by winning Melfest. what was the deciding factor to say right we've got ashes to ashes we're going to come back and compete with it
1: i think it was some kind of you only live once feeling <laughs> and um and also i also thought a lot about you know when i'm 60 years old and you know I look back at my life. Would I, would I, would I have wanted myself to take all the chances I could with music, because the window in time when you can, you know, work as an artist is not that big, um, because there's a lot of ageism, you know, and and all that. So, um, so I just came to the conclusion that I, I, I think that I would have re- regretted it if I didn't take the chance, and um, and I'm so glad that I did take the chance.
2: And presumably you didn't have that many expectations. You were just going there because you thought, let's do it. Let's just have a go, see what happens. And then 10th place in the final that year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was, I was really happy to make it to the final because I, I had been away from the big TV shows for, for quite a long time. So I was just really happy that people remembered me, that they liked the song and that it, that they wanted me to, that they wanted to see me in the final
2: now Anna I think you like pretty much every single Swedish singer I've ever spoken to is addicted to Melody Festival and because yeah. you came back again the following year 2020 you've got another song Kingdom Come Was that an easy decision to make to come back again?
1: Uh, yes, it actually was for the first time. Yeah, um, because I had, it, it is true that it is really addictive. It's like, you know, it's like a relationship where sometimes you get a lot of love. Sometimes you don't get a lot of love and, and it's addictive like that, you know. Um, But yeah, it was an easy de- decision because um, I I just felt that I had gained so much from the previous year i think that i had a good curve coming up you know and i had this um, and still have this amazing team dennis Brückner and sein nordenstål who who are the creators of the 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 number the show so um i was just really thrilled to get to work with them again and um it was kind of an easy decision yeah
2: and then As I said before, you're definitely addicted to this because you came back in 2021, not as a performer, but as a songwriter. What was that experience like to to write the song and then give it over to somebody else?
1: I I rarely do that uh, because the lyrics are so personal to me. but I love, her name is Frida Girián, and I love her as a vocalist. So I thought that um, she she would really do a great job with the song. And I was really looking forward to entering the competition as a songwriter and, you know, just really Uh, Be able to go to all the parties, stay up late, make friends and, you know, um, not having not having the same pressure at all as the artist on stage. So I was just really looking forward to that. But I didn't get to go at all because of the virus.
2: (laughs) Had you ever considered singing that song and performing that song yourself at Melfest?
1: Um, no, no, I haven't. I think it's, um, it, it, it became clear to me that it was Frida's song. Yeah.
2: Let's talk a little bit about the future. What does your future like, look like at the moment, uh, in terms of music? Are you still going to be doing the doctor work as well? How are you going to be juggling all this?
3: Well,
1: um, right now, I've just released two singles. One is called Bottom of This Bottle and the other is called Grain of Trust. So I'm really happy with those two singles. And we are actually out on tour. We are playing shows almost every weekend. Um, and I'm going on a Christmas tour in Sweden. Um, and then we will see, you know, it's the last semester in med school this spring. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to um to that and yeah just more music more touring I would love to get to uh, come out to, to Europe and you know um, perform for the Eurovision fans um, I really I really miss doing that so that is another thing that I am hoping that I will be able to do
2: now if it's going to be the last part of your medical school in the spring does that mean you're too busy to do Melody festival
1: <laughs> yeah that would probably mean that, yeah.
2: Oh, that's such a shame. I was hoping you were going to say, oh, well, maybe I've chosen a song, maybe I've ended it, maybe I'll have to wait and see if I'm doing it, but you're saying you're too busy. Oh, look at Absolutely. that. The lips are sealed, is that what you're saying?
1: Well, I am too busy. I mean, I can't do the, the last semester and my lip as well, and at the same time, it's impossible.
2: Oh, what a shame. Would you come back? I know that's such a... I think the answer is obviously yes, because we know how much you love it, but it, would it be something you'd be interested in doing again either as a performer or either as a songwriter again?
1: Well, I would love to do it again. As you say, it's really addictive. Um, We just can't seem to stop. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I think someday, someday I would love to come back.
2: That is going to please so, so many people. You saying that, Anna? <laughs>
1: that's going you. to be such
2: such good news for everybody. Uh, that's about it for me, Anna. Really, really appreciate your time. You've been so open and so lovely about everything. So thank you so much for joining us for a chat.
1: Well, thank you for being so lovely and doing great research. Um, I really had a nice time.
0: Don't forget, you can get in touch with us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. I, for one, would love to see Anna back at Melfest in the not-too-distant future. Of course, we've got a lot to look forward to with Melfest 2022. This week, John Lundvik revealed us taking part this year via our friend Toby Eck Afton So, it's going to be great to see him at Melfest this year. But, Anna, if you're listening, having now listened back to yourself, maybe, please come back to Melfest
2: soon. Yeah, you said at the start there, you... Uh... You for one, I for one, you get what I mean, would love to see Anna come back. There's going to be a hell of a lot of people queuing up behind you wanting to say the exact same thing because she's such a fan favourite. Every song she seems to sing, she seems to get the backing of the public. So, fingers crossed for a return of Anna Bergendahl to Melfest uh, sometime very, very soon. But, shall we wrap up today's podcast with... The one-second song, as
0: we always do. Rob, can you, as quickly as I normally do, try and explain what the one-second song is for those people who are returning? I can certainly try. Basically, the one-second song, everybody, is where me and James play each other one second of a Eurovision song at the end of each episode. There are four points on offer. They are four. The name of the artist, the name of the song, the year that the song was performed, and the country that the song was representing. James, you've picked this week's song, and it's me to guess. Yes, I have. And without any further ado, let's hear this week's... One second song. I'll be honest with you, slightly out of breath after (laughs) that explanation. Oh dear. I don't know what this is. I don't think I know what this is. Anyway, at first listen. Really? I honestly thought this was going to be one of the ones where you go, yep, I've got it. Don't need to hear it a second time. I can tell you what it is, but no. No, I'm really struggling with that. Really struggling. Let's, uh, Let's have another listen. I mean, you listening might not need it, but I definitely do. I'm trying to imagine where this song goes next, which I appreciate is the whole point of this feature. Um, I think you've... I don't know why. I think you've picked... I think you've picked... I've just changed my mind in my head there. You may have heard audibly the moment where my mind changed. I still don't think it's the right answer, though. (laughs) Purely from the start. Again, whole point of the feature. I think that that may be Austria twenty fifteen. The Make Makes, and I think the song was called "I Am Yours." That may be incorrect, but we'll we'll go we'll go with that. I am going to throw that out there. I am probably going to get nothing back.
2: Okay, well, I'll tell you what. Why don't you tell us what you thought it was before you change your mind?
0: I thought it was a German entry, but I couldn't quite put my finger on which one. Okay, so I'll tell you straight away, it's not a German entry, and it's also
2: not an Austrian entry. So I'm afraid you've got no point. You are totally wrong this week. We are going to our favourite ever edition of the contest, as we found out this week, 2010.
0: Okay, I'm trying to think of what song it is from 2010. No, you're going to have to tell me. Go on. I'll put you out of your misery. You've probably got it at
2: home. 2010, it was Cyprus. It was John Lillygreen and the Islanders with Life Looks Better in Spring. Time changes everything Even you and I have changed the rain the winter spring has made us fade away i still remember everything i know december the fears the cold i really wonder how you feel on these nights alone
0: i really like this song which makes it even worse that i didn't get it but i, I was a big fan of john lily green and the islanders it's
2: a big shame that you didn't get it right, though, isn't it? You've got a little bit of time now to try and claw back some of your reputation, trying to figure out why I've chosen that one, because it links to the podcast in
0: some in some regard. I'm going to do a you here and hope that it's just a really simple link, which is that, of course, Anna Bergendahl performed at Eurovision in 2010, as did John Lillygreen the Islanders, for Cyprus in that very year with that very song. I'm I'm willing to say yeah
2: that's the reason for it. the The only added extra I was looking for was the fact that he came tenth in the semi-final, and Anna, of course, came eleventh. So he pipped
0: Anna to the post, pipped Anna to the place in the final. He did indeed. He did indeed. Yes. Wow. Well, as we reflect on that, and indeed, quite how a man from Wales called John ended up representing Cyprus at Eurovision in 2010. A bit like What's-His-Chops, who ended up representing Romania in 2011. Remember that? The man with the trousers from County Durham. Uh, uh, David Bryan, I think he's called, isn't he? We
2: Get him on the podcast. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, let's give that a go. Find out what on earth was going on there. Him and John Lilligreen. Find him on the podcast next week. Definitely
0: Definitely not next week, though. Maybe, maybe in the future.
2: We'll soon see. We'll soon see. But I think that's probably all we've got time for on this week's episode. What a rollercoaster it's been. Big thanks to Anna Bergendahl for joining us. Big thanks to both DJ Deucepois and, of course, DJ Nopois for joining us on the episode this week. We will be back again with another episode in seven days' time. Don't forget you can keep in touch with us on Twitter and Instagram at Eurotrip Podcast and on the email hello at eurotrippodcast.com. And also, don't forget to subscribe,
0: leave us a review and rate us five stars. From me, James, it's goodbye. And from me, apparently now called DJ Norpois, which I don't enjoy. It's goodbye.
2: Who is the first name that came to mind for me? Genuinely, uh, Diedrich Solitangen. <laughs> <laughs> good
0: song. I like it.
2: It's a good song. Uh, God, that's about. That's probably a year ago now. Let's not forget
0: he? that I am the person who wrote the lyrics to Diedrich Solitangen's your original entry in the Valentine's Day card Oh, I was listening to that actually about a week or two ago
2: I don't know how I came across it but I was like oh I remember that and then I found it there she's a vet now she's a vet mm. Why, what What? did she used to be called <laughs> <laughs>